Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about our great sponsor, Doral Toyota, where they have more than 1,200 cars in inventory. You can find Doral Toyota at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. That's just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls in Doral, of course. And if you mention five reasons, you will work with a dedicated concierge manager, not just any other salesperson who try to sell you something. Not that they do that there, but you know what some places they do. You want to work with a dedicated concierge manager. Mention five reasons or five on the floor. Pricing is at an all-time low. They will beat any other Toyota dealer price. So bring it in and they will beat it. Check out DoralToyota.com. So you look it up before you go in there to the dealership and then go check them out in the dealership. When you go in, ask for the friends and family department and don't forget five reasons. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, aka Alphonse. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome into the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick, joined today, as I often am, by Alphonse Sydney. Make sure you check out our website, fivereasonsports.com. That's spelled out F I V E reasonsports.com. Also, the other podcasts in our network. Um, we've been promoting pretty heavily lately because we've got some good stuff coming out. Fish Tank. This week, actually, Jason Taylor did a very lengthy sit-down with a couple of guys he knows very well, Seth Levitt, who runs his foundation, and O.J. McDuffie, his, uh, his former teammate. And so they got into a whole bunch of stories you have not heard before. Also, check out Three Yards Per Carry. They actually invited me to make an appearance this week. It's probably not the smartest thing, but I went out and talked to Little Dolphins with them. So check that out, too. And, of course, Cinco Razones, our Spanish-language podcast, Mark Your Territory on Wrestling, Out for the Count on Boxing, Fantasy on Five on Fantasy and All of our others but today we're going to get back to the Miami Heat and the NBA we had this guest on or I had this guest on several months ago and it's funny I was listening to it the other day we were on with David Thorpe here you can find him at coach Thorpe on Twitter and I was listening to a lot of stuff you talked about then and it's funny how a lot of that played out so I figured we would kind of re- revisit some of that some of the justice stuff I thought was fascinating at the time we'll hit on that and what we're going to start with today um is is the Heat roster, and then I want to broaden out the Eastern Conference as a whole. And let's start here um, with you, David, because obviously there was one acquisition above all others, which is Jimmy Butler. In your view, is Jimmy Butler a number one on a contending team? Okay, I'm going to give you a really clever answer to that, but before we begin, I would be in trouble with my family if I didn't ask you about a relative of mine named Josh Rosen. I, oh, yeah. You want to talk to Josh Rosen for the next 30 minutes? I don't, I don't follow the NFL. I quit it maybe 10 years ago when my kids were eight. And I've been doing, I've been, I had seen tickets since 1976 when I was 11, and I just had had enough. Uh, and so I don't know a, a goddamn thing about almost anything in the NFL. But I know that my mom, who lives – my mom and dad still live near me in Clearwater, and uh, he is related to us. I, I don't even know how exactly, but he is. And it's not just because both, both of us were born Jewish. He actually, there is a family blood connection. And so she is now the biggest Dolphin fan ever, which she was when she was a much younger woman. Mm-hmm. And I meet, she doesn't even know that I'm doing this. I'll tell her afterwards. So 
what can I tell her about Josh Rosen? That because she's reading every day about him. Tell me All something. Right, so let's go there. It's uh, you know, it's Jewish geography, the tree of life. <laughs> well connected. Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, everybody's somebody else's cousin, right? You read. I was about to say that's probably uh, a common trope down here now. I know Josh Rosen's yeah. my cousin. Yeah. yeah. Some, so, somebody's bar mitzvah. I, I actually I, I took a photo of uh, Steve Ross with Josh Rosen the other day, and I can do this because I'm Jewish. This is just yeah. how what Alf can do on light skinned opinions. Uh, I can do right. this, but I, I declared on, on Instagram that there were two live Jews, um, and as they were uh, sitting there in the practice field. But uh, how is Josh Rosen doing? Well, if you had asked this question about a week and a half ago, David, yeah. I wouldn't have had a very positive answer for you because um, I just got to admit it. He hasn't, hadn't looked great. Uh, but over the last week, it's gotten better. Uh, he's still second on the depth chart between behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we know what that's going to be, right? Like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, if you don't follow the NFL closely, Ryan Fitzpatrick can have two games where he lights everybody on fire, uh, and then he's going to light himself on fire. Yeah, after. he did that here in Tampa last time. Right. I, remember. I mean, that, that's, I mean, he did it at Buffalo. He did it with the okay. Jets. Uh, it, that, that. That, that's his thing. So okay. he's like, I mean, if you want to go 5-11, and 11, Ryan Fitzpatrick's your guy. I actually think they want to go 2-14. and 14, So I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick's their guy, but Rosen's looked a little better of late. Um, he has. He seems to have better command of the offense. I have not been all that impressed with the arm strength, but I've been out to I think five or six practices. But you never know. I, he looks like the kind of guy to me who may be better in games and practices. So, so we'll see. But uh, the reports you can give back is that there have been some encouraging signs of late, um, okay. and that Aventura and Boca Raton are going to love him. <laughs> well, my my mom's from Miami. Both my parents are from Beach High School. Oh, well, all right, that was yeah, that too. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah grew up Miami Beach, and she has known about him since way before he was famous. And so when oh, yeah. he first got to school, my mom said, "Hey, I think he went to UCLA, right?" Yes, yes. I think she said, "Hey, we have family member that's quarterback UCLA." I said, "Great, mom. I don't watch college football either or pro, um, but uh, I, you know, so we've known about him for a long time, and uh, so I'll tell her that he's doing better, but." Didn't they just start going to camp like 10 days ago? Yeah, yeah, about 10 days. Well, actually, they're almost finished with their open practices. They've got – you know, they're coming up your way, actually. They're, they're going to be doing – you could see them in person if you'd like. Uh, that's, they're not, gonna, that's not happening. They, I they know. My parents will go, but I won't be going. Yeah, we'll send them. They're, apparently, they're, they're – they're, well, not apparently. We're sending one of our guys there, uh, our, our Chris Kaufman, oh, wow. to the podcast with – uh, yeah, they're going to be doing uh, dual practices with Bucks. Yeah, okay. You're going to see a table. So, so Fitzpatrick can throw passes to his own team and his old team at the same time. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's Jewish geography, like I said. I mean, the Dolphins, I think, are the only NFL team in history that have had two and a half Jewish quarterbacks. Um, they had uh, Jay Fiedler, who was fully Fiedler. Jewish. And Sage Rosenfels, who's not Jewish, but his father was Jewish but he's in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame because we take everybody. I thought you were going to say the Rosen part of his name was the Jewish part. Well, it, it is. Now. I mean, we're calling Josh Rosen right. Jew Breeze. And, right. and people, are, <laughs> people are offended by that, too. But again, I can say that Alpha. Whatever. I, I've, I, never I, been, I've never felt so left out of a conversation. I, it's it's not, we're, yeah. we're, we're not going to start talking about the tour. Don't worry. I, I, as, I, as I like to say, we're Jew-ish quotes around the ish part. That's most, so, of, um, that's most yeah. of book in Aventura, too, David. Yeah. Uh, All right, so to the Jimmy Butler question, here's the answer yes, I'm going to D- give Dave, you. David Thorpenstein, go ahead. You're right, that I hope makes some sense. So you, when, the Celtics, when the Celtics won their one championship with uh, KG and Pierce and Ray Allen, uh, I don't remember who interviewed them. I used to remember. I'm an old man now. But uh, the question was asked on whatever network they were on, like, right, who takes the last shot in a game? And uh, KG – and Pierce pointed to Ray Allen, and Ray Allen pointed to Pierce. And then in, those, in their last three playoff series, so conference semifinals, 
conference finals and then the NBA finals where they won. I watched all those games. I was analyzing at ESPN, I think. And um, each of them uh, was the MVP of, that, of a series. Like KG might have been the MVP of uh, the semifinals. And, and uh, I think Pierce was the MVP against LeBron's team. And then maybe Ray Allen was in the finals or whatever. And so my point is, who gives a damn? Who can the number one guy be? My thing is, in a series, Jimmy Butler can definitely be the best player in a series for either team in almost any series that you play. And that, that's what should matter most. It most is he's good enough to carry them in a playoff series uh, that, goes four to, that goes seven games. And he's good enough to be one of your best three players. Uh, that a, a heavy load can be lifted or held up by him. Uh, on both ends, which is not insignificant, although right now it's their offense that's so bad. So I think that he's in that realm. And there's, there's not a ton of, you know, there's not 100 guys. There's probably, not, there's probably not 40 or even 30 guys that you could say that about that can definitely be the best player in any series that you play. But he's definitely in there. Uh, David, do you think there's anyone on the Heat roster right now who could be the second best guy on a contending team, or are they just – kind of uh, running in place until they can add that second superstar. All right. So I, I hate to answer a question with a question, but I will. A year ago, had we had this conversation, would you have said that Pascal Siakam could be the best player in a series? No, I did, not right, at all. Right. So, so the answer is no, with a caution of, yeah, you know what? Justice Winslow is getting better. He's not getting worse. I don't know that you have any other c- candidates right now. Drogic if he's even around, I don't know how long you think he'll, he'll be there. He, he probably isn't that guy, but they, they probably, you know, Winslow's got a chance. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think it's likely, which is why they're flawed, which is why I think there's, they've got to be thinking a deal. And, and the reality is they do have some talented young players, not just the rookie they picked up, but, but in BAM and, and Justice, those guys are legitimate assets. It's, I don't like calling players – Assets to me, picks or assets, players or human beings. They've got two good human beings with a, a significant upside to, to uh, tap into, which allows them to have the value to maybe land someone else. And they've got a couple contracts in, in particular, I guess, Goran. I don't know what Drogic's making, but he's someone that can be included in a deal to get, uh, to get a, you know, a star-level player back that's making a lot of money. Yeah, it's 17. And it's, yeah, that's what I thought, 17, 18. It's yeah. roughly 17, and it's one yeah. year. So let's talk about those two guys uh, specifically. We had Bam Adebayo on a – on a pod this morning, I suggest people check it out mostly because you'll really like him. Like if, if Heat fans are not used to hearing him talk a lot because he wasn't prominent until the sort of last third of the season, you should, because he's, he's confident, but he also has a very positive demeanor. He praises Spolster all the time. He's like, I hate to say this. I don't really hate to say it. He's the anti-Hassan. I mean, that's what he, that's what I was told when he was drafted actually by people inside the organization. They just love him to death. And, and I think Heat fans will too, but let's start with justice because you tapped into this last year. We had guys on our network who tapped into this too about what Justice's potential was, but also what his best position is. Now, you mentioned Dragic. In your view, watching Justice Winslow, is he a point guard? So I don't really – my son is a point guard. There aren't many like him, and I don't mean that in a good way. I wish he really wasn't. I like primary ball handlers. And so uh, James Harden, I, I don't know what you want to call him. I, I think he's a primary ball handler no matter who's playing next to him. He can play next to Chris Paul, who has always been a point guard, and Harden still is your primary ball handler. So I think Winslow is absolutely a primary ball handler. Uh, I don't know if, honestly, I don't know if that's the best place to put him. I think it's a place to put him, and that and he does well in that. 
he's still, you know, still learning the game. So I think they've got two guys that likely start as primary ball handlers with Goran and Justice. And you can run a lot of stuff through Jimmy. Uh, although they do some fun things in the pinch post area with Kelly that's pretty fun to watch. I really like some of the stuff that Eric runs. Um, but, yeah, he's a, he's a, he looks to me like a guy that can be a primary ball handler. Um, now, we talk about – a lot of times we talk about Justice, we talk about Bam. But what do you think about Deion Waiters this year? I mean, he's coming off he, – he started to look actually pretty decent towards the end of last year. He looks like he's getting in shape. It looks like the ankle's not bothering him as much. Should we expect anything from Dion this year, or should we just kind of, <laughs> kind of, act like we've been acting like when we get something out of him, that's great. But when we don't, we just we just weren't expecting much anyway. That's that's the problem I think always with him is he he's not a bankable asset uh, on the court. Uh, you you don't really know what you're getting, and I, I personally think Miami is one of the better franchises in the league, getting the most out of players on a consistent basis. And they did once, right? I think it was one year they did it with him. Uh, Half a year. Half a year, right. Yeah, good point. Um, He's not someone that uh, I I wouldn't trust him. There's other guys I'd probably go after that you you can get at a minimum deal uh, that at least would bring energy every single game, super competitive, uh, uh, never, never get the media spotlight for the wrong reason. Because you're, you're building around one legit all-star with some talented young guys that we've talked about that, uh, that have a chance to get better. Uh, and I, I happen to think that the best way to develop young players is, for example, what David Griffin's doing with, with the Pelicans. I think he's super smart mm-hmm. to surround Zion with good players. There, you learn faster in pressure situations when, when every possession matters mm-hmm. because you build reference points for the next day of practice and film studying games. And I think Miami's in a nice position because of Jimmy, where they're, they're and because the East is relatively weak compared to the West, where they're they're going to be in the playoff hunt probably the whole season, if not even in the playoffs. I, I haven't even looked to see. There's really two teams to me in the West and the East that are, you know, clearly contenders. And you could argue if Boston gets one player that they'll be there, and even Toronto one player, and they'd be there. Uh, uh, so Miami should be in the thick of it, which is really good for for guys like Justice and Bam and even Tyler to, to develop it. So let's go to Bam then. Um, Cause you know, we, we talk about Justice's development and there was that kind of burst last year and then it slipped back a little bit after he got hurt. And you know, obviously then they ended up missing the playoffs. Uh, Adebayo though gets, you know, they had to clear Hassan out. Um, what I was told by people inside the organization was that they wanted to do it sooner in terms of making Bam a starter, yeah. but, Hassan was behaving and they didn't really want to mess with that. And then, and then he had the, you know, the paternity leave and that kind of gave the opening and Bam ends up, you know, putting up pretty good per 36 numbers the rest of the year. Um, I, I, people have kind of compared him. I, I jumped on this too at one point to like a Clint Capella. The more I watched him though, I, I think there's more elements to his game potentially than a Clint Capella uh, in the modern NBA. What can Bam be as a starting center? You know, I've never heard the Capella comparison because he's not at all built like Clint. But when I watched tape on him, that's what I thought. And I, but I think you're right. And so he's, he's not a clone of Clint Capella. He's, he's, I mean, here's the best way to put it, probably. He's not as good as Clint Capella is at playing like Clint Capella. But he's also got maybe a better, a better range of skill and impact overall. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he's not 19, right? He's 22. I think he just turned 22 this summer. Uh, and so he's not a baby. But uh, I think that he can be like Clint, which would be amazing. You know, incredibly high percentage at the rim finisher, uh, able to jump to 12, 13 feet, which is super helpful. Uh, in, uh, in, in when you kind of run spread pick and roll, you, you want to you take the, uh, the tagging defender, you know, to the rim out of the way by just throwing it to 12, 13 feet. And just not a whole lot of guys can get it and catch it and finish. It's harder. They make it look easy, but I'm, I promise you it's not. Uh, and uh, defensively, he's got, you know, he's got strength. He should be a guy that's an impact player like Clint is. And I think they're smart to let him shoot threes. And I think they're smart to let him uh, – he, he likes to take the ball in the break a little bit, I've seen. I think that's smart. I don't know ultimately what he can be. But if you only let him be Clint Capella, uh, then you have to hope he's as good as him at that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that'd be narrow-minded. I think it'd be, it's smarter to let him – develop overall big men develop late anyway so even though he, even though he's not you know a baby at 19 he's still young at 22 for a big there's still significant upside to reach for him david uh, another one of the new guys uh, on the team um outside of uh you know the obvious is a guy that n- not many people are talking about but i actually have seen a little bit of and i'm kind of excited to see him on the team especially because of the way that he could spread the floor is myers leonard yeah. Do you see him having a role on this team? I mean, some people have, have, have even have him penciled in as a starter, which I don't know about um, maybe if they trade Olenek for some reason. But do you see a role for Myers, um, at least in like an eight, nine-man rotation? I mean, when I looked at the roster, I thought he has to play because you don't really have any great shooters. And he, he's, he's that. Like, he, he, he's a great shooter. Uh, and so you're so, not yeah. saying great shooter for a big man. You're just saying great shooter hands down. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, was he 44, 45% from three last year? He was 40 plus in the postseason. Um, yeah, he's just a great shooter. Uh, and he, to me, 40 and above is a great shooter. Elite's probably at 45 or above. He, he might indeed be elite. Uh, he's not always been great. He's been good. He's, he's been great though, or very, very good anyway, the last couple of years. Uh, and um, they need that. And he's, you know, I worried about him for a long time. I saw him a lot early in his career, and, and, and he just didn't seem to get some traction. I don't think that's a – I don't think it was good for Portland to lose him. Uh, of course, in their last game, if you remember, he had 30 points in 40 <laughs> minutes in that, in that overtime game. He was unconscious. But uh, it's not like he had a bad series. You know, he was, he was good in, in, in uh, a number – I think two or three games total. He was good, if not very good. And so I don't think there's any question – that that he's going to do that especially because you just you have so few answers it's just not a lot of answers uh uh, as as for shooters and so yeah you need guys and you know i was i was talking to an assistant coach the other day one of of the guys that helped me and uh, i was talking to actually a player that i that i work with may sign with miami i don't go into details yet but he's a really good player uh he he'd be in contention for a roster spot and maybe a two-way he's a brilliant shooter and we were talking about Miami needing, needing that. And my assistant said that you, yeah, you need great shooters to space the floor. And I said, no, you need great shooters because you get an extra freaking point when you make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's right. why you get the strength. <laughs> right. and, uh, and I'm very proud to say that we asked the high school team while I was volunteering to help. My, my son's kind of, it's an elite level team, could be like top three in the country. We asked them all, why, do you, why is three-point shot important? And they all said the same thing. You need floor spacing, and the coach's son, my son said, oh, you get extra point, because he's heard me talk about it a lot. 
So you need some of those guys to get the three points so you get the extra point. So you don't have the 26th worst. They had the number 26th in the league, I think, in offense last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and let's face it. It wasn't pretty. Am I right? Wasn't it 26? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it they, 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 they were bottom five. Yeah, they were bottom five. Bottom five. Okay, so and they were what top six or top seven in defense. So if if they can significantly improve that aspect, which is possible with with the addition of Jimmy, uh, Josh Richardson is good. Jimmy's better. Um, then yeah, I mean, if if you can still say top six in D, which may be hard because of Myers. I mean, sorry because uh, Hassan's gone. Um, but it's, I think it's still possible because a lot of that is system and, and coaching, I think, is great at that. And then get top 12 or 15 in offense, which is possible. Well, now you're definitely a playoff team. And that's, that would be good for Miami this year. All right, so let's transition to the guy they brought in for shooting, right? Because on the, on the night he was drafted, uh, Heat fans uh, had uh, a conniption uh, because they wanted everybody but Tyler Harrow. Um, and I think it was polling like 85% against. And now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Now, when, you know, you suggest training Tyler Harrow for Bradley Beal, they hesitate. Never. Right. So, so, I mean, this is what's happened here because of one summer league. Uh, I was out in Vegas. Uh, I saw him play four or five times. Uh, I was impressed by a lot of things I did not expect. Um, ball handling in particular, uh, his comfort level on the break. I didn't think he was the best player for them in summer league. Like for all the attention Harrow's gotten, I thought Kendrick Nunn was actually better. But, but uh, Harrow did impress me, and he didn't look lost defensively, although it's, it's hard to really gauge when he was playing against China's second team. So I, I don't really know where to go with some of it. Uh, but to you, what you've seen of Tyler Harrow and what the Heat need, you say they need shooting. Um, and, but obviously you've got to defend the play for the heat or they got to be able to hide you. So uh, how quickly do you think a player like that can make an impact for them? 2020, 2021, 2022, mm. most rookies suck. There's really no other way to say it. Most rookies suck. It's a hard league. We went through a little bit of stretch where, where they were doing better. And I think they're going back down again. It, it's just, there's too many good players and the game's so fast uh, and with all the switching and everything, there's just so many things going on. And most teams aren't switching everything. And so you got to think about when am I switching? I always say college guys play the game, pros read the game. And, and, and it's almost always the case. So uh, I, the way I evaluate talent typically is I think that there are a very few individuals that can be elite no matter where they go and who they play for. And you would know their names because they're the best players in the world, mostly. There is another segment that end up being amongst the best in the world, but needed a, a lot of help to get there. Pascal Siakam and, and Kawhi Leonard are two of them. Draymond Green is another one that really needed that. Clay Thompson uh, was just always going to be just a shooter. And even though he doesn't do a whole lot more uh, uh, in the regular season because he, he never had to, but under Steve Kerr, Draymond, and Clay both really dramatically improved. I did Steph, by the way. Um, and then most of the other guys are just, it all depends on who they play for, just to be solid rotational players. You kind of look at through the history, and I've, I've developed this over 12 years of watching the league pretty closely. Um, uh, Tyler, to me, has a chance to be, should be a solid rotation player, uh, of which it's hard to draft those guys. Go, go back through the last five years. There's just not a lot of first-round picks that are all that meaningful. Um, you get, you get a few here and there, and sometimes a lot of picks, sometimes they're not, uh, Miami, if they do a good job developing him, they can develop that and he can be solid. If he ends up being special, it's going to be because he's an elite shooter. Uh, it's just naive to think he can do that this year. Uh, if we see competitive spirit with him learning on the fly, as a long season evolves and he continues to figure stuff out. Uh, if he ends up being a good passer, ball handler, great. Even if he's not a great passer in terms of assists. If his turnovers stay low, like I like to look at things like um, steals versus turnovers ratio, as well as three-point shots made versus turnovers. So the guys that can make a lot of threes like Clay Thompson and not turn them over very much because they don't try to do too much, there's a lot of value to that. The guys that make a lot of threes but turn the ball over a lot, a lot less value because they're just, they don't really understand their role typically. So if they can develop him, which I think Miami does a great job of that, uh, he'll end up being a rotation player. And if they get 
if it turns, I mean, the Spurs had no idea Kawhi would be this good. Toronto had no idea Siakam would be this good. I mean, look at Kyle Lowry. I, I drafted 20-whatever. I think it was 24 uh, by Memphis uh, years ago. No one ever thought he'd be an all-star and champion and all of that. Uh, uh, and quite frankly, he wouldn't have been had he not probably gone to Houston and really kind of found himself. So Miami's got to do some work. It's not just on the kid. It's on the franchise and make him into a solid rotation player. Uh, but there's no doubt they're desperate for shooting help, and he can provide that. All right, so I'm going to throw one out of left field for you because we talked about the Heat's in, uh, inability to score at times last year. And uh, if Udonis has him decides that he wants to retire and doesn't come back, the Heat have an open roster spot, and they say they are in the market, they are in the market for another veteran if it's not going to be Udonis. Does, and then I would get about 75% of Twitter pissed at me just for asking the question. <laughs> I know what's coming. I know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Does Carmelo Anthony make sense for this team? No. Thank you. Uh, I don't think it's stupid ass, though. So, first of all, you know my first ever NBA client was Udonis, so I couldn't be a bigger fan. Uh, that's my one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, if they bring him back, it's for leadership and, and toughness, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled if they do. Uh, I, I don't know. I have not heard, actually, if he's coming back or not. I mean, I think it's his decision, ultimately. Yeah. I think if he wants to come back, they'll have him back. Yeah. Um, Carmelo, I just think he brings – first of all, he doesn't really fit the mold of Miami. Yeah. Uh, you, you can ask Udonis what I mean by that. He'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, it, it's just too much trouble. He, he, maybe he's been humbled by this. Maybe, maybe not. And why risk it? Uh, there was a period of time in, in Oklahoma City where I thought he could really, he was really shooting it great. And this, then the bottom fell out. And that was two years ago. When the bottom fell out, he was just awful. And right. defensively awful. Uh, I think they'd be much better off getting a guy that's played professionally for a couple of years, can really shoot the three, and is athletic, and, and can run and jump and move, not get another 19, 20, 22-year-old, not get a 30-year-old plus, add some athletes to the equation, uh, and, and again, I, I, anyone they add has got to be able to shoot the three because they just don't have enough of those guys. All right. I uh, want to get to one more person on the Heat, and then I want to do some rapid-fire NBA with you okay. to finish. Uh, you, you've mentioned him several times. Uh, we ended up – you know, it, it's funny with Heat fans and Eric Spolstra because I feel like they're ripping him all the time, and then someone else does it. It's kind of like what I said earlier about, you know, Drew Brees or something. Like, if somebody else does it, there's a problem. So Dan Dockich had this pretty, I thought, idiotic comment about how Spo was not even a top 10 what coach. What a surprise. Yeah, I know, stunning. Uh, but he was fighting with our, our guy, George Sedano. And George, George was a little bit, I don't know. I mean, George, George was a little too cut and dry on this, saying that you can't argue that Spo's not top three. I think you can argue that. But you can't argue, in my view, that Spo's not an elite coach and, and, and not a top 10 coach. So Dockich went way overboard on this. But anyway, he fans. Wait, hold on. Forgive me. What did Dockage say exactly? Basically said that he, he was – what, that basically anybody could win with LeBron, right, Alf? What, yeah, what, was that one of it? with LeBron. Which, is, which, which, which obviously Luke Walton didn't win with LeBron last year. But only one right. other coach won with LeBron. Right, right. Okay. And then he's not a top ten coach, and he's just a guy. Just a guy. That was the thing. And not Brad and he put Nate he's McMillan. No, not Brad Stevens or Nate McMillan, which, uh, you know, the fact is Brad Stevens, again, there's the Indiana connection. And then also Nate McMillan, you know, obviously. Well, what does he know about the NBA? Doesn't he just watch college? Uh, he was the Pacers coach for, I think. Uh, no, I'm talking I, about Dockage. No, that's what I want. Wasn't Dockage the – oh. No, 
Oh, he was no, the Indiana. Hell oh, no, he wasn't coaching. Oh no, no, he wasn't a pro coach. No, I'm sorry. Hell, hell no. Thorpe jumps in. That's right. He was he was with uh, he was with Indiana for what a he couple. Played. Of years. I listen. I watched him play when he was in college. Mm-hmm. He, he's the guy who supposedly shut down Jordan or whatever. He's right. whatever. Just, I, like he's Le- just like LeBradford Smith did, right? Yeah. But yeah, but yes. he's uh, yeah. That's a great story, by the way. Jordan did to him. You know what he did the next night, don't you? Yes, I know. Hey, yeah. You want to tell it? T- tell it because it's a great. No, story. you. I, I I wasn't it like LeBradford at 48. Yeah, he had he had I, at least yeah, it was in the forties. Right? I thought he had forty eight mm-hmm. against Jordan, and it was back to back. It was home and home back to back nights. Right. And Jordan basically, you know, said, "I'm going to do the same thing the next night," and he did it in the first half. Yes, right, right. He scored right. the exact number of points the Bradford scored in the game in the first half, <laughs> and and then let and then let him know about it the entire. Oh time. yeah, of course. That, so uh, so Spolstra, um, I mean, I I, I don't know. I could argue he's top three. I won't argue that because it's a silly argument. He, right. He's an elite coach. He's done some pretty amazing things, uh, even without LeBron. Like, aren't they the first team? Didn't they go 11? I'm, I'm right when I say this. They went 11-30, and the second half they went 30-11. That's, That's right. It's the worst, it's the worst thing. It's like they added, you right. know, Moses Malone and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson at, at the halfway point. It's the worst thing that ever happened to the franchise, David. But it was coaching. Uh, it was. I agree with you. It was coaching, but it was the worst thing that ever happened. To the I watched them on tape today. Uh, actually, not in preparation for, for, for you as much as I told you. I'm, I'm working with a guy, and that's a team we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I love the stuff they run. I do. Uh, I, I wish they play faster. I understand why they don't. I think that's a mistake, and I don't know whose decision that is. And it may very well be it's because of the roster. But um, I, I, I like I, the inventiveness that he has. Uh, he clearly did a uh, – I mean, he, they should have won one more title. They lost to Dallas. It wasn't on Spo. It was on LeBron. He just right. – he lost his mind. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching when it happened. And then the Spurs ran him out of the gym fair and square. They, they just played the best basketball in the history of the game, in my opinion. They turned the AC off. Yeah, that, that definitely <laughs> didn't help. I, I, I always claim that uh, there's a plug somewhere that's sitting out that – that uh, pop pulled, but um, I did it. I said it right when it's happening live. But I witnessed some of those. I, w- I witnessed those mm-hmm. those blowouts in Miami. I was there, and they just lost to a team that could not literally could not have played any better. No, but um, they were they were perfect, David. And and even yeah. look, I mean, with the AC thing is it's a. I understand he fans a lot, and yes, it was interesting that somehow there were fans in the Spurs. I was there that night. Somehow there were Spur- fans in the Spurs locker room, and like not not fans like people like actual fans. Right. They, right, they, were right. not, they were not in the heat locker room. And, the players didn't want to shower after the game because Ray Allen, as soon as they walked in the shower, they got, they were drenched wet again, you know, in a minute yeah. they couldn't dry off. Good. But anyway, yes, you, it was perfect basketball, but the heat weren't going to win that series. I think under any circumstances. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Spo. So I think that, I think, uh, I guess the best way to put it would be this. There's probably, I'm just going to guess here, but I'm going to say 25 NBA teams that if they had a chance to just fire their guy, not pay him a dime, and hire Spolstra for that money, whatever it was, they would do it, and they and they should. So you know, top five ish in the league, and um, that I, I don't know that everyone agrees with that. I don't always know play, players. Sometimes are not the best people to ask. Sometimes they are, um, mm-hmm. but but it's hard, especially when LeBron was there. It's it's a you saw what David Griffin said, and, and I happen to agree with what David. I don't think David meant to say he was miserable. Mm-hmm. dealing with LeBron alone. I think I, I didn't read it that way the first time. And I, I'm friendly with David. Um, and I know how he felt about LeBron very much uh, in love with how, how LeBron carried himself in so many ways. But it's still very challenging to coach LeBron, especially early on when, when Spo had him. 
but I think he's a, uh, I think Miami's very lucky to have him and he should coach her as long as he wants. Well, and, and just want to add one thing on Griffin before we go, yeah. because we address this in love and I know David a little bit too, because I was, I was in Cleveland for a full year and got to know David. Oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, I, I don't like to remember it, but yeah, if, if, you know, you leave, South Florida for Cleveland, but yeah, I was there for I was there for the fourteen fifteen season, and when the trade when David made the trades at the deadline and everything else, and I, I, some of that stuff David had said to me before, but not quite that way. I think context was lost um, by the writer in this case, and I, I know a lot of the the media members, particularly at ESPN, who covered David in Cleveland. You probably figure some of them out. Uh, who spoke to David afterwards and, and tried to clear up some of that context. He's not stupid. He wouldn't be trashing LeBron James. No, he does. He does. The only thing that no. David used to say, the only thing that Dave, David, there were two things David used to say to me related to LeBron that, that were difficult for him. One of them he touched on in that interview, which is that when you're building with LeBron, there is no time for any patience at all. It's just a product of which, Kobe Altman used to say, say the same thing. It's, it's a product of, of being around LeBron and you have to win now and everything is pressurized. And the thing about, you know, nobody else gets any credit, that's not a shot at LeBron. It's just, it's just the nature of, of the way he's covered. Yeah. Uh, but, but, the, but the other thing about it is he used to – David did used to complain to me. He used to come up to – because I had covered LeBron in, Cleve, in Miami, and I went to Cleveland basically because I had a relationship with LeBron. And David used to come up to me in the locker room before he knew me very well. I'd go, God, could you tell your guy to stop talking about our other guys in public? I'm like, tell my guy. Like, he's your guy now. I don't have anything to do with him. He's like, right. he's your guy. So that was uh, – that used to bother him, like the, you know, the fit in or fit out stuff. with Kevin. Yeah, the passive-aggressive stuff isn't great. The, the, the passive-aggressive stuff, the, you know, the shooting the dirty looks to Kyrie and, and Dion, like that stuff, which, by the way, LeBron didn't do in Miami. And I think a lot of that, um, he never called out teammates in Miami. He got came close, you know, Chalmers, but everybody did that. And, uh, and Bosch a little bit, but he didn't really do that. And I think part of that was Spolster and Riley. There was just not the culture that was acceptable. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on Spo, um, and, you know, I know people get on me for that, but I don't think that a lot enough people appreciate kind of what they have here. And, I, and Alf and I went through this. It's really hard to find a season where they really underachieve. Like, there's been some seasons they haven't overachieved, but right. there's not a lot of seasons that they've, They've underachieved. But I want to go NBA with you here real quick, uh, if we can. So let's just do these sort of, sort of rapid fire. Um, Milwaukee, did they take a step back with the moves that were made this offseason? Possibly. It depends on uh, – Giannis is still getting better. So if he can add a three-point shot, even a little bit more reliable, then, then you probably won't see it. Um, Brogdon, you know, that he, he was a factor. But uh, Bledsoe was so bad in the postseason late against Toronto. He's better than that. And – I think, I think they'll be about the same is what I think. All right. Uh, I'm going to let Alf ask the Philly question. Choose any Philly question you want, Alf. Anyone. Um, do you think Philly got better this year? Yeah, I actually thought Philly had one of the best off seasons because uh, if, you look at their game, if you look at their series against Toronto, they, they outscored the Raptors 20 points per 100 possessions when Embiid was on the court. That's a staggering amount against the eventual champs. And they got destroyed, just destroyed when he was on the bench. And so what they've, what they've done with Horford is if they choose to play this way in any important game, they'll never not have Horford or Embiid on the court during a game in the postseason. And, again, they outscored the Raptors by 20 per 100 when, when Embiid was on. So maybe it'll be 12 when Horford's on. He's not as good as Embiid. And I also think he's the godfather for a reason. Um, there, there is something about Al that just brings the best out of everyone in the locker room. He's that, he's really that special of a leader. Mm. Joakim was that way in college, by the way, uh, he and Brewer and Horford were all 
incredibly selfless athletes as competitive as you could possibly have. It's why they won back-to-back championships and, and, and won every tournament they played in, uh, with one exception, for three straight years. Because remember, they won the SEC as freshmen, yep. which Florida doesn't do very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost one tournament game in three years. That was one NCAA tournament. They won three SECs and every Christmas tournament game and two NCAA championships. And Joaquin was their best leader and then probably Brewer and then Horford, but he learned a lot. And he's just universally loved and respected. And I think that he is the adult in the room that, that they really need to have. So I like what they did better even than Brooklyn, certainly with their grant out this year. Uh, I think Philly has made uh, – the, the, and they're huge. And that's the other interesting thing is when teams get big now, they're, they're really big. And so if Embiid can stay healthy and gets better, both Embiid and Simmons should continue to get better. They shouldn't be on their downside, uh, just like Antetokounmpo. So I feel like, uh, I feel like we might see that – that's going to be a, a real battle, uh, uh, which is fun. I just – there's just not very many teams that can compete with the Mies – uh, as like, like there is will be in the West will be such a battle royale. So, yeah, I think Philly got better. All right, last one here. Uh, just uh, real, real clear here. Better duo, who will play better together? Kawhi and Paul George, LeBron and AD. So I, on Truve.com, where I'm a partner and a writer, I wrote about this. I ranked, as a pure duo, I ranked Davis and LeBron better. Uh, I, for team, I think it's close. I think both teams can be very, you know, obviously great. Um, I'm not sure yet the Lakers have the pieces they need. But as a duo, I mean, LeBron was incredible last year. And, and you guys just talked about how Lou Walton didn't win with him. But they were, in, they were the fourth seed when he first got hurt. And then Ball and Ingram got hurt too. Uh, they, they would have been a playoff team last year. He, he's, you guys know, he, he's still just incredible. And, and I think Anthony Davis, he's my pick. I don't care about MVP. Mm-hmm. I couldn't – I just never follow it. But I was asked this on a – podcast the other day and I was surprised to be asked in July you know who I'd pick but my first impulse was AD I think LeBron's going to make him that like I think LeBron needs to bring him back and it's gonna be hard to leave if uh leave LA if you're the MVP so I think they'll be incredible together I still think Paul George and Kawhi will be great but I would give you know a slight edge to LeBron and AD all right we got to go uh Josh Rosen I'm gonna make a prediction here 17 touchdowns 15 interceptions so you can you can pass that on uh, David, David, we appreciate it. We want to know who that player is. So just send that to me at a DM, okay? And we'll break it. Yes, right? sir. I will. All right. Thanks for joining us. Follow him at Coach Thorpe. Thanks, guys. Another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I can attest to this personally because they just threw out my traffic ticket for me. It was no problem. No points on the license. No other details that I had to deal with. You've got to check out the law firm of Seltzer Mayberg. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call 1-855-5000-LAW, 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and of course traffic tickets. And they've got a new 15,000 square foot office, which we work out of at times as well, on I-95 in North Miami. They handle cases from all over the state. they got a special now. If you mention five Five reasons or five on the floor. They will take care of your traffic ticket for $49.95. Go check out that price somewhere else. You're not going to get it. Call now, 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW, Seltzer Mayberg. Yeah, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Ricky J. Mark. 
In a world where sports radio continues to shift around the whims of corporate interests, we understand that the constant, unexpected changes can be exhausting from time to time. So that's why we think you should sit back, relax, and take five. Uh, reasons, that is. So go ahead, grab your smartphone, and subscribe to the Five Reasons Sports Network, available on virtually every podcast platform. We're South Florida's fastest-growing on-demand sports media network, so you decide when you want to tune in. You decide when you want to listen. Because we know your life can be hectic, go ahead, fall in love with our lineup, including Five on the Floor, Three Yards Per Carry, The Fish Tank, Light Skinned Opinions, and Cinco Razones, whenever you want. All you need is an internet connection. So go ahead, tune in. Try us out. We're by Miami, for Miami, and spreading rapidly throughout South Florida.